I have a few questions for the mayor. How do you decide which chairman gets what committee? Why does your Office of Intergovernmental Affairs get to decide, which we've heard from several aldermen, when committee meetings are held? What have you done to empower city council to be more independent? What kinds of levers can you push and pull? I I have questions for the mayor about how independent she really wants the council to be. Hello. Welcome to a special episode of The Cloudcast. I'm Alex Nitkin. It's been said that 90% of success is showing up. By that metric, Chicago City Council has become a lot more successful than it was during the last mayoral term, when the average alderman showed up to their assigned committee meetings just 65% of the time. In a new joint analysis published by The Daily Line, Cranes, and WBEZ, we've found that since 2019, the average has shot up to about 81%. Today we're going to talk about what that means and why we should all care. What you're about to hear is a cross-posted conversation from the AD Q&A podcast over at Cranes, where reporter AD Quigg talks to me, the Daily Line reporter Aaron Hegarty, and WBEZ reporter Claudia Morell about this really big project that the four of us have been working on for months and that we are so excited to finally share. We went beyond the attendance numbers to talk about some really fundamental questions about what city council committees are there for and what kind of legislative work is being left on the table while Mayor Lori Lightfoot's administration basically holds the lever on city policymaking decisions. Take a listen. So first, everybody, welcome. It's very nice to have other reporters on here. Thanks. It's Thanks cool for to, having us. It's cool to be a guest. Yeah. Special. Yeah. I'm very excited to have you all here. I'm very excited that we are done with this project. Oh, we yeah. have been working on this since... September. Near and dear to my heart as a former reporter at Aldertrack turned The Daily Line. This is like bread and butter, daily line work, watching every little thing that the Chicago City Council does. So, Claudia, you and I did this together in 2019. Basically, we found that aldermen didn't show up. They had a D average. How bad is that for the city of Chicago <laughs> that the average alderman was was showing up just over half the time? Yeah, the last time we did this, uh, it was pretty revealing how absent aldermen were Uh, when it came to showing up to committee meetings. And, you know, we had kind of seen this uh, from when we worked at the Daily Line because, you know, as you mentioned earlier, uh, committee meetings is our bread and butter. And so we were sitting in at all those meetings. And I couldn't help but notice um, that um, committee chairmen were gaveling in and there'd be like five or six aldermen present sometimes. Well, there should have been a quorum. Yeah, at least. We wanted to know, like... You know, are, are aldermen, like, on a whole actually showing up to these meetings? And if they aren't, what does that say about, you know, the role of uh, the city council? Are they legislators or, you know, are they glorified ward superintendents? And it goes to this dichotomy of why would I care about, you know, the city when one of my residents needs a garbage can? Right. Why would I care about going to a, a traffic committee meeting where they're voting on stop signs? outside of my ward when I could be attending a ribbon cutting or helping a small child cross the street or, or doing ward soup activities. Or answering a complaint about someone's missing stop sign. Right, exactly. So, Alex, I want to ask you, give us the big stats. What was the average attendance rate this time and what's your sense of how good that is? This time is 81%. So a B minus, it's sort of up for interpretation, I think, whether that's good or not. It's certainly better than it was Last time, but it also means that, you know, one out of every five meetings, aldermen are absent. And granted, there are big variations in whether it is a finance committee meeting where they're voting on whether to spend sometimes hundreds of thousands or millions of dollars 
as opposed to like a transportation or traffic safety meeting where they're just running through a bunch of routine stuff. But it's, you know, it's hundreds of absences that we're talking about at the end of the day in committees where these aldermen are elected to be there to show up. This is a chance that they have to ask questions of the administration and of the bureaucrats who are putting all of this stuff into practice. And I think importantly also to, not just for their own edification, but to bring all of that stuff to light for the public to help us as, as reporters and our readers and viewers and listeners um, understand everything that that is happening. So it's certainly better. And we saw, and we're going to talk about, there's a wide variation among the aldermen. But, um, you know, I think that people should be concerned about public officials who don't show up to meetings that they're uh, on committees that they're a member of. Yeah, if we missed, if all of us at, at work missed one of five meetings we were supposed to go to, we'd be considered fireable. I don't know. Uh, yeah, probably. Well, Aaron, I want to get back to like wh- why, what Alex was saying at the end there about why it's important that aldermen show up at committee meetings. Yeah, well, this is where like all the conversation about new taxes, new legislation, fees, everything that affects Chicagoans happens. Um, usually if something passes a committee meeting, um, it goes to city council and there's not a whole lot of additional discussion on the council floor before aldermen take a vote and ultimately pass new laws. Um, it's also where a lot of aldermen can ask questions of city staff about a proposal. And if they want to propose any sort of changes or tweaks or anything, it all happens in committees. So when aldermen aren't showing up, there's fewer checks on you know whoever is introducing the legislation. And if, if that's the mayor, then you know it's, it's just the mayor enforcing her uh, proposals. It's a rubber stamp by default. Mm-hmm. Right. Exactly. Well, the key difference, as all things have been for the past two and a half years, between the last time we did this in 2019 before the elections and now, is COVID. So aldermen switched to virtual meetings in April of 2020, and almost all committee meetings are still virtual. So somebody walk me through what we saw in terms of what we saw and what we heard from aldermen in terms of how different the virtual era of city council made things. Well, Alderman uh, really liked the option to go virtual. Um, in the beginning, it was kind of rough. Uh, you know, you're building the car as you're driving it. And there were uh, a lot of hilarious moments uh, in the first couple of months. I don't know about you all, but these Zoom meetings. We are on live. We are on live, Sue. Oh, I love Zoom meetings. <laughs> it's, a, it's a great way for all of us to get together. Thank goodness we got this. And again, um, the Alderman, please make sure your microphones are unmuted. All those in favor of the motion for reconsideration, I say aye. I say aye. 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 Oh, no, wait, wait, wait. No, 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 Okay, somebody was telling me my boobs were in the way. Oh, well, I don't know about that. We are live on the internet right now. I'm sorry, say that again, Tiffany. Uh, someone has joined us as Gold Moose. Never heard of him. But I think overall, aldermen prefer to have the option. And one of the um, biggest reasons we heard was because, you know, I don't want to waste my time driving all the way down to City Hall, paying for parking, and then, you know, being blindsided by the fact that it could be a five-minute meeting or a five-hour meeting. The old way made it difficult for aldermen to schedule a lot of the other work that they had to do uh, around the ward, while this way, 
Uh, they could still handle constituent services, work in the ward office, but still keep a tab on, you know, what's going at City Hall. And they can also watch committees that they're not a member of, that, you know, some aldermen said that they just wanted to keep an eye out on what was going on. Either Alex or Aaron, as, as folks that cover committee meetings very closely, how different was it for you as a reporter? And talk about what we heard from members of the public about how this influenced their relation to City Hall. Yeah, like with everything, I think there were a lot of benefits and drawbacks to being able to do it virtually. It is nice, you know, as a reporter to be able to cover meetings from my couch. I will not lie. It it makes life a lot easier. And especially in this um, virtual world where meetings will not overlap. They just go one by one, whereas before they would sometimes happen at the same time. Yeah, I think when it comes to people who want to, you know, regular Chicago residents who want to comment during uh, committee meetings, it's perhaps a little it depends. It can be more difficult than showing up to the committee meeting in person at City Hall and just saying what you need to say. But to comment during virtual meetings, now you have to like call a number. You have to, and it has to be days before the committee meeting. Um, and then they, you, I don't remember if it's you they did. call you back or you call them at a certain time. And if you miss that call before the meeting, um, you just don't Your get SOL. public that's comment. Right. Yeah, that's right. Yeah, AD, you had interviewed uh, Pat Dora, lobbyist um, at City Hall, and he kind of walks through the steps of what it was like before uh, when you just showed up and signed a pink slip. And now uh, this is how he described uh, the process. Uh, the process for registering public comment in this modern era of electronic voting is possibly the most primitive thing in city, county, or state government. You still call and leave a voicemail on an answering machine in the uh, council secretary's office. They call you back the next morning. You scribble down over 20 digits of login codes, call-in numbers, and participant number. And if you miss the call, it's almost impossible to get a call back with that information. Well, and and as reporters, Alex, I agree with you. It, It is very nice to be able to tune into a committee meeting from my couch. But there is something missing in the reporting process when you can't pull somebody aside real quick and say, what was that about? Or... What does the mayor's office think about this or what kind of behind the scenes stuff was happening or just running into somebody in the hallway and getting a tip? Absolutely. I mean, that is a huge benefit and something that we have in our corner is the actual physical space of being able to chase someone down. Now, sometimes we'll be left confused after a meeting and we just have to call someone and and ignoring us is as easy as not picking up the phone as opposed to, you know, running away down the hall, which sometimes it doesn't stop them from doing that, but it's, it's at least a little bit harder. And we certainly lose a lot from the reporting process. And also it's important to point out, this is a similar thing that aldermen talk about, that they lose a lot from the legislating process of walking around and, you know, feeling each other's opinions or views on things or, you know, looking in person for co-sponsor signatures and things like that. That's something that that tangible sort of tactile, you know, politician-like quality is something that they all really miss. And while they enjoy the convenience, we encountered a lot of mixed opinions on whether things should just go back to the way they were before or keep some kind of hybrid system. Yeah. Well, let's talk about who did the best, who did the worst. Aaron, tell us who was the best and what what do most of those folks have in common? Yeah. So in general, it was freshman aldermen who attended more of the meetings they were supposed to than their senior veteran colleagues. Number one was Alderman Leslie Hairston of the Fifth Ward. Um, She attended 93% of the meetings that she was required to. She is not a freshman. She has been around for for a long time. Um, But but the people who follow her, they're all 
in their first term as, as aldermen. They're eager beavers. They're excited, I guess, to to yeah, legislate. Give us, to... give us some names. These are these are freshmen that often replaced really senior folks who the last time we did this analysis only came sometimes half the time. Right. So after after Leslie Harrison in the fifth ward came Samantha Nugent in the 39th ward. She is a freshman who she didn't unseat uh, Marge Lorino. She was sort of a, um, a disciple and ally of Marge Lorino, the longtime alderman from the 39th ward who did significantly worse. Samantha Nugent, I asked her about this and she said, yeah, it makes sense that um, the freshmen show up more. Freshmen show up to class more than the seniors, right? Just because they're, like you said, they're eager beavers. But also this is, you know, the the older folks are doing stuff more behind the scenes. And, and I think that the freshmen see this as their avenue to get involved. Number three was Andre Vasquez of the 40th Ward with about 92%. He replaced, or he unseated, I should say, Pat O'Connor, who was there since... God, I don't know how long. 1980. Since 1980. Rahm Emanuel's uh, former floor leader. That's right. Thank you, Claudia. He went to the meetings, I think about 49 or 50 percent was his right. score. And so I talked to Andre Vasquez and he was pretty excited when I told him that he was number three. I think we have tape of that. Who beat him? 21. Who are the two? It goes Kirsten Nugent Yu. Okay, good stuff. What's your reaction to that, other than that? I am terribly sorry that I missed the days and didn't get the number one spot. Uh, Alex, I want you to keep going, but switch and tell us about the folks at the very bottom of this list, because you mentioned Alderman Pat O'Connor, who used to be Rahm Emanuel's floor leader. The floor leader is, the congressional equivalent is the whip, so they go around trying to get the mayor's agenda done. And we were surprised to find uh, Mayor Lori Lightfoot's deputy floor leader, George Cardenas, had such poor attendance. And this is important not only for the mayor's agenda, but also because Cardenas is running for higher office. So tell us about that. Yeah, absolutely. So George Cardenas was 50th out of 50. He was last 53.7% of meetings, 165 out of 307 he required. This is sort of a triple whammy here because he is deputy floor leader. He is, like you said, running for the Cook County Board of Review. He's trying to unseat Tammy Went. Cook County Board of Review is a property tax appeal body. There are only three members. It's a super powerful, important um, county body. And number three, he is also a committee chair himself. He's the chair of the, uh, we should say, newly created or newly spun off under Lori Lightfoot's tenure, Committee on Environmental Protection and Energy, one of the committees that actually met the least. So we brought this up to him. And at first, he, he, he sort of had trouble believing it. He said that it might have been an issue with, you know, the city clerk or the committee chairs were not registering his attendance. Which we essentially said was impossible because this would have to be several committee chairs purposely omitting you. Right. I mean, also, like you said, you know, Aaron and I, a combination of Aaron or I covers every single committee meeting that ever happens, no matter how obscure. And, you know, we notice absences, especially the last budget process, which was all in person. There were 11 days of budget hearings. Cardenas showed up to one of them. It also, though, speaks to a drawback of virtual meetings is that we, on a virtual, on a Zoom screen, because they have it in speaker mode, we cannot tell who is all there and who is you know, showing up for a second and then leaving. Right. And if this is a five-hour meeting, for example, which we've all had to sit through several, they do attendance at the very beginning. And then we just got to trust it after that. And sometimes people can come in hour four of that five-hour meeting and say, oh, hello, I'm here, and be counted as attending, even though we know that they only came toward the end. And then there are silent folks who 
are there, say hello, I'm here, and then don't speak for the rest of the five hours. And the only way we can really fact check this is, is the documents we have. Alex, I want to go back and talk about more of the people that didn't show up. So run us through some of those folks and the familiar names on there to many of our listeners. Sure. So uh, George Cardenas, like we said, was last. Um, number 49 was Ed Burke, uh, the dean of the city council and under indictment, the deposed former committee chair of the finance committee. Howard Brookins, who has also been around since, uh, I believe, the early aughts. He's a veteran. He is the chair of the um, Transportation Committee. He is also running for uh, a spot on the bench to be a, a Cook County Circuit judge. When we talked to him, he basically just said, yeah, it's hard. You know, he lives in a faraway ward and sometimes he just figures that it's not worth it to come to meetings or even tune into them. Number 47 was Alderman Carrie Austin of the 34th Ward, also another veteran. Also under indictment? Also under indictment. She said, she said, well, I'm just glad I'm not on the bottom this time. And it's like, technically, you're right, but 47th out of 50, I don't know. Not so great. Carrie Austin is important to this because she is the reason why we have a lot more data than we do. Explain that. Yeah, so the last time we did this ahead of the 2019 election, these attendance sheets were not publicly available on the clerk's website like they are today. Um, me and AD had to submit a FOIA for each of the 16 Oh, well, that was all you, baby. That was all you. <laughs> You're the FOIA and, queen. And Carrie Austin uh, just ignored multiple requests for documents and said, you know, the documents aren't there. And we had to get uh, Matt Topic to essentially help us file a lawsuit against her to say, like, he's our best known Freedom of Information Act attorney. He works on behalf of a lot of newspapers and newsrooms around the city, foisting records away from recalcitrant government officials. Um, so uh, she's she's the reason we have a lot of the documentation that we do. Yeah. Um, so... Long story short, uh, we had to sue her. She never was able to reproduce a lot of the attendance sheets for her committee. And, you know, that's taking a step back, you know, like that's a big issue. The fact that one of the most important committees in the city council budget, the committee that determines where all the city's money goes. $16 billion annual budget here in the city of Chicago. And the committee chairman is essentially holding meetings and not um, taking any records of it. So it's almost like if a tree falls in the forest, like, do you hear it? Because they said there was a tree, but there's no record of it. Right. And so um, she she's no longer a budget chair now. Um, that's Pat Dell. She, for a while, she was still committee chair of contract equity and oversight. And I want to shift to that because, Aaron, you and I, uh, well, all of us, uh, have, have covered what we dubbed do-nothing committees. So tell us about what a do-nothing committee is and why people should care. Yeah, so these are uh, city council committees that have chairman and vice chairs. They get funding, you know, th six to seven figure budgets. Uh, um, and they're essentially not meeting or not meeting as often as they probably could be. So one of those committees is the Education Committee, which is a 17 member committee chaired by Alderman Michael Scott of the 24th Ward. This committee has met seven times since uh, spring of 2019, despite there being several clashes between CTU Huge. and CPS. Arguably, arguably, <laughs> arguably, one of the biggest stories of the past two and a half years has been the fight between Mayor Lori Lightfoot, Chicago Public Schools, and the Chicago Teachers Union. And they've only met how many times on this important issue of back to school during COVID? They've met to discuss that particular issue once. Yeah. Um, and that was a, I think it was like a seven-hour hearing um, in January of 2021. Aldermen have filed proposals to meet again to discuss 
safety measures to be taken in the time of COVID, and the committee chair has not um, called another meeting to discuss that again. And why why did he say, I don't want to hold these meetings? Yeah, I spoke with him and he said, you know, he doesn't want to have contentious discussions in the public eye. He doesn't want uh, Alderman basically yelling at the new or newer CPS uh, CEO. What, what I don't want to do is call call a meeting that they do not have to, that gets my colleagues aroused because they didn't get the answers that they want, because that puts me in, in a bind, right? I would rather have them get the answers that they need. And the easiest way that to, to have done that thus far uh, is to have the briefings, because again, I can't get CPS to come and give the answers that they want because they do have all these other things, and I don't have dominion as the chair to make them come. And I think that brings up a big question about the role of committees that I think that we've looked into and we talked to Joe Ferguson, the former inspector general, about is what are they really there for? Are they there for oversight of the mayor's administration? Are they there to, you know, haul powerful people into the public eye and ask them important questions? Or are they there to, you know, protect the mayor and the administration's uh, um, interests and sort of carry their water? There's nothing that says that the mayor is the person who selects committee chairs that's actually within the power of the of the council itself the practice for many years has been that the mayor i'm sure with 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 varying degrees of consultation decides who the committee chairs are and the mayor in some measure i'm sure with some consultation decides what committees there are. And then the council historically largely acquiesces in that. As for the number of committees and the mandates of those committees, there are some that are pretty darn obscure and have an almost transactional feel to them. You don't know. I don't know. We don't know how these conversations go. But they they don't they don't carry much of significance in their mandate and actually how they're operated isn't even to the the full robust measure of that modest significance you could identify two handfuls of committees that are meaty chewy necessary do a lot of work and we need them to do that work that's all of half of the committees that actually exist and and of those 10 it's probably six or seven at most that i think everyone would say okay they churn out a lot of work. So then the question is, why all the rest of them? And this is where, you know, we have a sort of a little bit of a kind of a a Potemkin village um, in terms of what we've created. A lot of the reason that many members of the council want to be a committee chair is not to drive subject matter and policy in a particular area, it's so that they have access to more resources. And, you know, it's sort of understandable. We heard Alderman Scott, Chairman Scott, saying, well, we just don't really think it's productive to have these big contentious fights in the public eye. I definitely understand that impulse. But also, you know, that's the job of a committee. You're supposed to put bureaucrats sort of like on the stand, if you will, and, and make them answer questions. And that seven-hour meeting, yeah, there was some grandstanding as there always is. There were some repetitive points as there always are. But we got a lot of valuable information out of that. We got, as you know, the public to hear directly from CPS administration, which can be a tricky proposition, you know, in normal times. Exactly. Well, and it goes back to something all of us talk a lot about in any term of city council is how strong is this strong council weak mayor system? Aaron, I want you to talk about what Inspector General Joe Ferguson, when he did dig through these committees, what he found and what his top concerns are. 
when these committees aren't meeting, the money that's not being spent on committee meetings can go back to the wards headed by the aldermen who are chairs of these committees. Additionally, when the committees aren't meeting, they're not discussing legislation, they're not vetting out their own information, they're only relying on information that comes from the mayor's office. So essentially keeping the power in the mayor's hands to influence legislation, propose what she wants, and and get it passed. By the way, Ferguson did not in his report, in the Inspector General's report, they noted that he brought, the office brought all of that to the committee chairs and they didn't really have a response. They just sort of said, yeah, that's the way that it works. If you get, uh, if you have a committee chairmanship, you have more staff and, you know, they're doing public service. They're doing word work. What's so wrong about that? It also means that if I live in a ward whose alderman is not a committee chair, I'm going to have less staff on hand to answer a phone call about a pothole or a stop sign um, than someone who is a committee chair. And that's that's an important uh, uh, issue, something we should um, you know be asking about. Yeah. Well, I, I care about committees that don't do anything, especially when I look at what, what other cities do. So if you go stop at the, the New York, Claudia used to be a New Yorker, um, when you stop at the New York City Council's website, they have committees that are big and important and put together their own reports on various issues. And something Joe Ferguson told me is that these committees should exist to boost expertise, to set up like a whole separate think tank from the mayor's office so that when big issues hit like COVID or a refugee crisis or reparations as the city council is supposed to be studying, when these crop up, you've got smart, knowledgeable people that can prepare reports, brief other aldermen, hold important hearings. Claudia, what what do you think the cost as as a reporter and a member of the public is to have these committees that exist but aren't doing the typical work of a committee? Well, the the big worry is that it's, um, you know, it's a waste of money, uh, especially uh, in a city like Chicago that is already facing a significant budget crunch. You know, every dollar matters. And when you're putting, you know, $50,000 towards a committee like uh, immigration and refugee rights and then they only meet twice, you know, was that um, a valuable use of the fifty thousand dollars? Fifty thousand per meeting, you calculated. Y- yeah, right? because they only <laughs> met twice, and it was like a hundred and fifteen thousand dollar budget or something. And uh, Ferguson also mentioned that you know a lot of these committees will then also kind of do window dressing type um, meetings where it seems like they're just going on and on and on discussing something but not going anywhere. Mm-hmm. Um, one example I think would be the rules committee and um, them discussing the ward map, but not really discussing the ward map. I mean, how many meetings were there that, you know, ended after 30 minutes and nothing really came out of them? Or public safety, uh, how many hearings did we have on the Civilian Oversight Board before there was any substantial legislation to be shared? It's a time waste. It's a money waste. I think that, you know, parts of the system and um, AD, your conversation with Bill Cameron, I thought was interesting when he talked about, you know, this committee structure going back to the old days of the patronage system and how we still kind of have remnants of that. Like the whole point of being a committee chair is the clout. Committee chairmen are rewarded with their committees so they can hire Shackman exempt staff and pass out political rewards. It's not about good government in most cases. I think we probably could use six or eight committees. You brought up earlier, A.D., that technically this sort of blew my mind when I first learned it. On paper, this is a weak mayor, strong council system. And I think that now we have some, you know, younger freshman aldermen who showed up and and sort of want to bring it back to the way that it, you know, was set out to be where the 
council is basically setting the policy. The council is setting the budgets and really making all of these big decisions about what's happening on a citywide basis. And the mayor's administration is in charge of execution and filling the potholes and getting the ward work done. And lo and behold, they get to the city council and, well, I mean, it's not a secret. It's been like this for for decades and decades. That is flipped on its head. We have the 50 mayors all over the city who are in charge of overseeing the administration of routine service. And then they just leave all of the policymaking up to the mayor. And, well, not, um, not only not policymaking, but who, who, are the, who are the chairs of committees? Right. What is the committee membership? And often, what is talked about or not talked about in those committees? All right, guys, what didn't I ask you that has stuck in your mind as we've, we've been working on this over the past weeks and months? What didn't I ask that you want to talk about? I think it's interesting um, in talking to you know, several aldermen who had vary, varying attendance records, how they responded to the news that they're you know, either in the bottom or top of the list um, and how some aldermen just kind of owned it and said, you know, it, for example, Alderman Michelle Harris, who is the chair of the Rules Committee meeting. She's overseeing ward remap. Um, her ward is not the closest to downtown, which would have mattered for in-person meetings. Um, and she basically said, you know, I, I can't, can't attend every meeting. Yeah. <laughs> um, yeah. There are things I need to do in my ward. And I'm a member. I think she's a member of Eight, eight committees, eight committees yeah. um, and so she she has a lot more meetings to attend than some of her colleagues um, versus, you know, other aldermen who who just looked at it and said, you know, no, this isn't right. Um, and then when we give them the, the data that we found, uh, we don't necessarily hear. We don't get them. a follow up. <laughs> we don't get a, a follow up defense of poor attendance. Or they have a caveat of, oh, well, this meeting on, or this committee only meets in the morning and it's for 10 minutes, uh, aka pedestrian traffic safety, to do routine items. So like, why am I going to go to that one? Mm-hmm. Which brings up a whole bunch of other questions, which is either why are these meetings not substantive or if they're extremely routine, why are they in the city council's hands at all? Why does the city council have oversight over, you know, routine traffic matters in different wards. And I think that Lightfoot has tried to move away from that a little bit. There's one other committee that we haven't talked about that I wanted to bring up because it's, it's not exactly, it's not at all a do-nothing committee, the public safety committee. It does a lot. But I think the question that a lot, you know, of people have asked is, is it doing enough, enough. honestly, yeah. in the context of this uh, just horrific surge in, in gun violence that we're seeing Across the city, public safety is met 31 times in the, I think, 38-month span that we looked at this. Um, it is one of the biggest budgets. Uh, Aaron also had a, a great story last year. I think it had the biggest budget increase. It was the only city council committee that had a budget increase from 2020 to 2021. Right. So this is during the pandemic budget when when there were costs cut everywhere. And we saw public safety committees start to meet Less. Um, I was actually able to pose this to the chairman, Chris Taliaferro, at a press conference last week um, and said, you know, there are 60 different proposals that are bottled up in your committee right now in the Public Safety Committee. It hasn't met since February. Um, do you think that the committee is sort of meeting this moment? Uh, and he said, yeah, you know, the, the, the committee process is very difficult. It's very complicated. You know, there are lots of conversations that need to be had behind the scenes. Um, you know, that that's all true. But I think that for some of his colleagues who go through the trouble of, you know, presenting these things, um, I think that Ray Lopez is the most vocal about this. It just, you know, a sort of um, critical of the mayor and the administration and chairman and all kinds of things. But he will 
you know, introduce things and then just get very frustrated when they don't even come to uh, a hearing. And it really sh- comes brings into focus how committees can just be wielded as, as a tool um, for the administration as opposed to a check on the administration. One thing that still boggles my mind is how disparate and how varying the number of required meetings um, varies amongst aldermen. So like someone like Alderman Burnett, he had to go to more meetings than anyone else on the city council. And that was 362 meetings. Now, the person on the opposite side of that uh, was um, Alderman Roberto Maldonado, and he only had to go to 126. So 362 and 126. And what was Maldon- What was both of their attendance rates? Uh, Burnett was in the middle around in the 80s, and Maldonado, I believe, was in the bottom 10. 80. So I have it in front of me. Burnett was uh, 83%, which has put him right in the middle, the number 25. And Above Mal- average, though. Yeah, and uh, Maldonado was number 37 at, with a 79.4%. So Slightly below average. That kind of... You know, like Alderman Michelle Harris, you mentioned, was saying, well, it's not fair because I have to go to all these meetings. Um, Yeah, Burnett had to go to, what, basically twice as many as Maldonado and still managed to show up. And, I mean, Burnett has a reputation for showing up at any old meeting, whether Mm -hmm. he's a member or not. So just sort of a feather in his cap. Something that has stuck in my mind is we did not hear from Mayor Lori Lightfoot about this investigation. Um, Not for lack of trying. Not for lack of trying. No, I was going to say, and we should note that the number of committees has just exploded under her tenure. When we first did this, there were 16 committees, and now there are 21, and that includes uh, subcommittees. And then this latest new committee she's created on uh, the uh, Chicago Casino. Maybe 22. When you count subcommittees, there's now this ARPA spending subcommittee. There is... I was thinking reparations. Reparations, Yeah. And I think the new like special casino committee is interesting and that didn't even give us a look into like how committee membership gets chosen because that committee is just straight up anyone who is an existing committee chair or vice chair gets to be on this committee, which I mean, I don't know, to me, the position of vice chair, they don't like convene a meeting unless the chair is absent. And so I think it gives new importance to even vice chairmanship of um, committees, which is interesting because the people who are already in power just get more power now under this new right. um, casino committee. Or people and, who are closest to the mayor, really. And having all these committees, it just kind of gives the illusion of aldermanic involvement in the legislative process. But that isn't necessarily the case because it's kind of just window dressing at the end of the day. Yeah. And I have, I have a few questions for the mayor. How do you decide which chairman gets what committee? Why does your Office of Intergovernmental Affairs get to decide, which we've heard from several aldermen, when committee meetings are held? What have you done to empower city council to be more independent? What kinds of levers can you push and pull to push that along? Because she has said, I want, and we've seen to an extent, council being a little bit more unruly. I don't know if that's the best word. You You guys are nodding. But we have not seen council organize. The, the only times we've really seen a strong council system in the modern era is when aldermen get together and organize, and they have not managed to do that so far. But I, I have questions for the mayor about how independent she really wants the council to be. I would also ask, do you think that the Committee on Immigrant and Refugee Rights that you created has done a sufficient job of addressing the two massive refugee crises that we have seen unfold just in the past six months or so? Um, this committee has met twice, like we mentioned, meetings were canceled four times and the times that it has met have just been on some 
sort of, you know, non-binding resolutions. I talked to Chairman Ariel Reboiris, uh, who was sort of in a similar situation as, as Alderman Carrie Austin, where she had a committee, budget committee stripped from her, and then Mayor Lightfoot sort of gave her a, a different committee as a consolation prize. Reboiris was previously the chairman of the Public Safety Committee, um, and then Lightfoot made him the chair of this new Immigrant and Refugee Rights Committee. I, I talked to Reboiris about it, and he said basically, yeah, we, we'd like to do more. We have some things that are in the mix. Um, so stay tuned, and, and I promise we will stay tuned. Alex Nitkin, Aaron Haggerty, Claudia Morrell, thank you so much for joining me. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. You can read our full investigation on thedailyline.com, chicagobusiness.com, or wbez.org. You can even punch in your address and see how often your alderman has played hooky from his or her assigned committee meetings. I'm Alex Nitkin. We'll be back with a regular episode of the Cloudcast next week.